Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. So hi, my name is Daniel McQueen. I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor, and I'm now a speaker based in Vancouver, BC. So you were in England when you had the injury? Yeah, I'm jolly old. So I was in London, England in 2014. I was having these headaches that were getting progressively worse over a few days, or a few weeks, I'd say, to the point where I was on the tube one day and my vision went black. I couldn't see for two, three minutes. I got myself onto the platform. The vision came back, and then I went to A&E, which is accident and emergency in the UK. They thought it was vertigo, and they sent me home. But they told me if the headaches were to continue, I could always get my eyes checked in an optometrist. So I was in the middle of the exam, the optometrist, Mr. Patel, he stopped the exam. He excused himself in the room, and he came back with a sealed envelope. He told me to go directly to Moorfields Hospital, which I did. Oh, wow. They ran the same tests. Turns out I required emergency brain surgery. Turns out my life was going to change altogether. So this was in a matter of like 12 hours. I was a healthy, active guy to, you know, I'm having brain surgery tomorrow to I'm on the operating table. Something went wrong and I had a massive bleed in the brain, a brain hemorrhage. I think the cyst burst when they operated on me. So I was in a coma for four weeks, but was in and out of consciousness for months after this. Things were dicey, touch and go. So you had a hemorrhage, but then things didn't go well in the surgery. Is that what you're saying? They went to remove the cyst in my brain. Oh, a cyst, yeah. And then I had the hemorrhage on the table. Oh. So it was, uh, it was quite complicated, quite complex, yeah. quite tiring, quite straining. You know, it took me 45 minutes to get into a wheelchair, then 40, then 35, then 30, then 25, then 20. Like it was arduous, uphill, difficult work to get in there. This is after I was in a coma for two weeks, right? Or four weeks, rather. So it was like just leveled, just leveled to the point where like I could barely do anything. Everything was difficult, trying hard. Like it was just hard. And I was so frustrated by this because I could remember everything I used to be able to do and I couldn't do it anymore. It was taken away from me. And I'm just sitting in there like thinking to myself, how am I going to get myself through this situation? And like, it was just really trying, really difficult. And I had to lean on a lot of help from my family and friends to get through this. And really get into my own head and just kind of focus on, you know what, it's, it's your mindset around how what happened to you, Dan. It's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. It's not what it is, but what you think about it that matters. And that's not fair to say because, you know, people have had brain hemorrhages or brain injuries, like maybe the cards are different for me and I can't recover to where I'm at now. That's not fair for me to say that. So it's a bit tough for me to say that to brain injury people because like, my brain injury allowed me to recover to where I'm at today. Maybe yours doesn't. But if it doesn't kill you and you have the ability to recover, then it's on you to recover. At some point in your life, you're going to get that proverbial punch in the face that Mike Tyson talked about, a job loss, a diagnosis for you, a loved one, a death in your family or like a loved one. You're going to face that, that knock. And like, how do you battle back through this adversity? Like, I've got a structure in place. This helped me navigate through traumatic brain surgeries. I'm going to really learn to walk, talk, and smile again. Like, I've used this to, like, navigate my way back from the brinks of the human experience. 
like I was so low during this process and like I really had to lean on my mindset to understand like, you know, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to the matters. I'd love to share one story with you if I can, but learning to walk. As I mentioned, I was in um, a wheelchair for a little while and I finally got out of the wheelchair. You know, that took three months and I was, you know, walking in the Wilson Rehab Center and a chance to walk in Tooting Bravo came up. Tooting Bravo is in South London. It's an area they call up and coming, which means it's dodgy as think loud sirens, drugs, gangs, dirty, hectic, busy. It's a full on visceral experience. I'm walking with a cane, I'm walking with an eye patch and Bambi on ice. I turn the corner on the Tooting Bravo the first time, immediately get slammed into by someone. You know, I stagger back a few feet. Someone scurries past me on the right-hand side. Someone's been stabbed on the sidewalk. I'm kind of walking around this person. I'm thinking, this is a pretty wild place to learn how to walk. After a few days of this, I was thinking, this is the worst place to learn how to walk in the world. Can't they see I'm trying to walk here? Can't they see I'm trying here? And then one day, my perspective shifted. You know, maybe this isn't the worst place to learn how to walk in the world. Maybe this is the best place. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. Went from the worst to the best in my mind, and my mood reflected that. When you change the way you look at the world, the world you look at changes. Maybe it is the worst thing in the world. Maybe it is. Maybe you can turn down the suck a little bit. How old were you when this happened? I was 28. And how old are you now? 36. Okay, so you've had quite a bit of time to ruminate. Yeah, this happened in uh, 2014. You know, after I've been working for a year to get back to work, After doing rehab, vocational rehab, occupational therapy, physical therapy, I was, you know, slowly building back up to return to work. I was back at work at Hootsuite, my old company, for two months, doing two half days a week. It wasn't too arduous, but it was something. And, you know, I meet up with my mom at the tube before I went and took the tube into work just to make sure that she knew I was off in time and I was okay with that. One day I didn't show up. And she goes, that's kind of weird. So she went back to my flat. And Hammersmith and found me unconscious on my floor. What had happened was the shunt that's in my brain had blocked leading to hydrocephalus or water on the brain. So it required emergency brain surgery. I was rushed to the hospital with an ambulance, had emergency brain surgery, and then I woke up on that hospital bed hearing the, the beeping noise of the heart rate monitor. You know, going off in the background, it's like ping, ping, ping. And just being so confused and disoriented. Well, what happened here? What happened? She goes, well, you had a second brain surgery, Dan. We got the blockage, but you had a second brain surgery. And I go, well, all my progress was washed away. Well, we got the blockage. You know, you'll be okay. I'm like, well, yeah, but like, I've been working for a year to get back to work. And I had just gotten back to work. And, you know, the world was starting to get back in line with me. And I was starting to make some progress. and, And the carpet gets ripped from under your feet. I'm like, I can't tell you how low that was. Like, that was really difficult to navigate and, like, more of a mental game than anything else because, you know, I wasn't in as bad shape as I was after the first setback, but all that progress was washed away for a year. And I feel like all my, all, all the work I had done was just gone. It took me about a week to realize, you know what, Dan, you've, you've done this before. You know how to build back in a way that's more efficient, more better, more streamlined. So I got to work and like I just started doing vocational therapy, physical therapy and again, like build it back up slowly and like put myself in a position to succeed. But it like it took all my strength to keep my mind pure and like my myself focused on what I wanted to do. So I did these tests last month, two months ago. 
brain scan tests. And in these tests, you know, thinking, you know, how, how am I going to score on these? Because I had the brain injury and the two setbacks. There's probably going to be some massive deficiencies in my brain. And my brain can't scan came back totally average. <laughs> totally average, which is like a bit of a, like a bit myth. Like, well, I thought I would be at least gifted in some areas because I've done so well with the recovery. <laughs> the ego's in me is like, well, you should be gifted in something. It's like, well, no, you're very average, Dan. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's very good because that just shows me that like my recovery has been based on mindset and mindset alone. I'm not gifted or special. I'm not smarter or more talented than anyone else. I'm just driven and focused on what I want to do. I've stood on my tippy toes on what I want to do in, in that direction. And that's allowed me to get the results I've received. So that just kind of shows me like, hey, you can be average and do exceptionally well if you lean into what you're doing and all your energy goes in that one thing. So in fact, it was kind of liberating to know like, I'm not gifted, I'm not special, but I'm able to focus and ride into what I want to do. It's been quite helpful to kind of know that. And it allows me to kind of speak in perspective, like helping people that I speak with, like, hey, you can do this too. Why not? I'm not gifted or special. Why not? Why can't you do this? Things happen to us. I agree with you that it's up to me going forward, no matter what's happened to me, I have a choice of how I look at it. It's all my choice. But what do you say to somebody who's like, this is too big? I appreciate that you're saying it's mindset. I believe you and I agree with you. But how do you teach that? And have you always been that kind of guy? I've always been very keen to prove people wrong. You don't think I can do this kid? Watch me. Like that's been a big part of my vibe. And that's why I've been able to climb back up to where I'm at today. But that's like a real dog way to approach life in a very like F you attitude and very like abrasive. And then you don't think I can do this kid? Watch me. It's not healthy and conducive to like a nice chill life that I want to have. So now I've transitioned my motivation to service. I want to help you be better than yesterday. And that's a more sustaining, life-giving, motivational sense. Because when, I, when I'm helping you out, my motivation doesn't stop when you stand up. It, it continues with you as you go along. When I'm proving you wrong, once I beat you, it's like the motivation is gone. Poof it. Like it never, never existed. It's gone like that. Like it never was there. I don't want to be that guy. I got a bit of that inside me and like I, I can't help it. You can't judge the motivation is what I always say. You can never judge your motivation where it comes from is where it comes from. Mm -hmm. But I've now transitioned my motivation to helping you in service. I want to help you better than yesterday. Now, to address your first part of your question, how do you tell them, like, that's not a healthy way to view things? Like, I don't know how you can tell them this because, like, I never allow myself to go down that pity spiral, I called it. I never allow myself to be woes me, woes me, because I knew if I did that, it was a spiral of just, it's never going to get out of the spiral, this tailspin. Right. I never allowed myself to bow to this. If you told me I'd be in this position after the brain injury, after the two brain surgeries, learning how to walk, talk, and smile again, after losing my job, like, hey, I would take this any day of the week. I'm never going to know the alternative because I never allowed myself to deviate from this path. So, like, you're right. It could be the worst in the world. It could be the worst. Or maybe you could just reframe it a little bit differently and approach it in a way that's going to be constructive. Like, it's not fair that this happened, okay? It's not fair. But, like, no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to save you except yourself. You've got to be able to get yourself out of this spiral. Once that mindset clicks, like, look, no one's coming to save you. You have to get yourself out of this. Then you have to change your perspective on this. I'm terrified to explore because I think that's real dark magic. 
And like, if you allow yourself to be pity spiral, woe is me, like that's a pretty difficult tailspin to recover from. When I'm speaking to outpatients, it's still not fair. Like, it's not fair this happened. And like, it's so key to understand, like, it's not fair. Yeah. You got to ask me one more question, like, and what? And what do you expect to have happened now? It's like, well, people should just know that I've been through a lot of hard stuff. It's like, okay, then, and what? What are you going to do about it? Because no one's coming to save you. Once you go down that pity spiral, it's really tough to correct this. You're already at the bottom of that pity spiral. Hey, rock bottom is a good place to build back up from too. You're not going to get there by wishing it didn't happen. Wishing it didn't happen is not an active way to resolve it. Acceptance is key, which sounds tough and it sounds mean. I know that. But like, you can't build back up unless you accept what's happened to you. That's tough to hear. That's tough to say. But like, acceptance is the first part of the process. You can accept what happened and you can actively take steps to resolve it and mitigate this going forward. You can build back up by resenting it or like denying that it ever happened. Like, I don't know what it's going to do for you service-wise. Like, It's not going to help you get better. It's like, well, this shouldn't have happened. It's like, cool. You're right. It shouldn't have happened to you. Now what? I love that so much. Yeah. So I lost my job this summer. I've been in the job for nine years, nine years. It took me an afternoon to make a decision that I was going to become a speaker the next day. The first brain hemorrhage happened and took me about a month to accept it. The second setback took me about a week. The job loss took me an afternoon. Now, it wasn't over in an afternoon, but I accepted it and like made the choice to be a speaker that afternoon. The faster you can get to acceptance, the faster you can like jump back up and rebound. If you don't accept it, you're not making forward gains. But wishing it didn't happen is not an active way to resolve the issue. That's really wise. I might be totally off base, but what do you think of it happened so that you can spread this message? Yeah, you know what? I like, I'm a speaker now, right? I'm thinking about why am I speaking? And like, I'm trying to justify, like, will this thing happen to me so now I can speak it and share my story? My knowledge is like, is it worth the, worth the drama and the pain? Like, one is probably not, but like, it's given me a perspective that's so interesting. And so illuminating that I want to share with people. And like, I've been in the freaking depths of the human experience. I call it's like round zero twice, where all your hopes and dreams are snickered at. And you're just like, you know, you thought you had a chance there, but back at work and everything. Ha. I'm going to rip that carpet right in from you. And like, you're going to fall to the ground. And just, you know, you thought you had a chance to get back up there, but you're real close. And now it's like, I've got this mindset of like, well, what are you going to come at me with that I can't overcome that I haven't dealt with? So I lost a job this past summer. My brother goes, you know what? Sorry to hear about the job loss, down, but like knowing you, you'll be back in no time. Like this ain't nothing for you. I'm like, you know what, Cam, it is. It's nothing for me. Like this is a job loss. It's not like <laughs> I can still walk, talk, and smile. I've still got the use of my legs. Like I I can, st- you know, I want mind working now. Like I've got connections and contacts. Like it's not the death blow. But like if you can reframe things in this way, like, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to do that, but it's it's simple, not easy. Simple to make the choice, but not easy to make it happen. Right. Like me becoming a speaker, like it's a simple choice to make, but not easy to do. I really appreciate that. I lost my mother when I was young. I was 18 and I had been sexually assaulted as a young girl. And I used to hear that I could reframe it and I didn't understand when I was younger, I would say, well, it happened. I can't think about it differently because that's what, those are the facts. But I understand now that 
Those are things that happened, but they don't define who I am or where I can go or it doesn't anything. And perhaps the gift of my mother dying young has led me to really embracing life. If I can find the gifts in those things that have happened. And so it seems like even at your young age, you really get it. Before you got sick, did you have mindset work? How do you know to do this? When you're flat on your back trying to get yourself sorted in life, like I'm in a foreign country, I'm trying to make heads and tails of this. And like, how do I survive this? Like mindset's key. Mindset is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. It's not what happens to you, but how you react to the matters. I've just been a positive, upbeat guy. And like, I've been very cognizant of that, I guess, in my life. Yeah. I've had a very easy life up until this stage. Like a very easy, you know, things came easy to me in life work girls like it was all it all kind of came pretty easy to me and like i was i didn't have to work too hard for it after the brain just like everything is arduous difficult uphill like i can't make this happen like i can't make this happen like i had to bust my ass to make this happen like i'm not going to be a failure because i didn't work hard enough to make it happen like i'm willing to go up this hill i don't care if you see me sweating and panting and scraping and clawing like i'm going to do this because this is what's got me to this stage and like I don't know if it's right, but it's got me to where I'm at today. And it seems to be okay for me now. Yeah, I'm really happy for you. And also, I think you're going to do great as a speaker and motivate a lot of people. And I just have this vision of you and I can see that it's going to work out for you in whatever way it's supposed to, whatever that means. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.